It's your boy, Jim Mint. You heard that right, comic fam. We got Jem Mint, the leader of the Gempire in the house. It's Bags and Boards, number 69. Nice. <laughs> yes. Oh, we got our homies in the studio. We got Fire Guy Ryan. Yeah, we just got back from Emerald City Comic Con. It was a crazy weekend. Yeah. We hosted. It was a fun time. It's a great convention. A little slower this year, but I see the convention scene forming back up. I want to give a big thank you to the uh, sponsor of the show. The first one that makes things possible is What Not the Best New Place to Buy and Sell Collectibles, available for both Androids and iPhones. I have an account on there. Jim Mint, you have an account on there. I'm on there. And we've been doing convention coverage, bringing the con exclusives to the app, hooking up the comic fam, doing crazy giveaways and so much more. Link in the description for both of our accounts. Give us a follow. We're going to be doing a lot more shows together. And, I have an uh, account too, but you, there's nothing on there, so you might as well not follow it. Well, we have a new show every Tuesday, man. People are following my account and whatnot, and then there's no benefit, but you can if you want. Pretty soon, Ryan's going to be doing um, just like his personal gym grind on the app, whatnot. Hmm. You'll be able to tip him, and he'll run faster. Dang. No. <laughs> that's a terrible idea <laughs> but uh if you use the code below you get a ten dollar credit after your first purchase you support what we do and i also want to tell you about the september mystery mail call box one per box this next month you have until the 15th to sign up we're sending out a john boy myers invincible number one we made four different covers one per box but it's going out at random which variant you will receive so, Jem, we have you in the studio. I want to get really deep with you. This is going to be like a full therapy session. I'm going to pull out a couch. Let's do I want it. to talk. Jem. I could use one. You've been a friend of mine for, for years now. Yeah. Um, let's take it back a little bit because I'll, although you are the co-host of like half the ongoing shows on this channel, why don't you uh, tell the comic fam a little about yourself? Okay. Where did this all start? What do you do? What do I do? I guess we you know we create content, right? So I'm on YouTube. I kind of sh- like to share the things that I collect. I like to collect statues. The bigger, more elaborate, the better. So I do statue unboxing and reviews. And I always wanted to know about the characters that I collect. When it, whether it was you know when I was collecting key issues or collecting trading cards or whatever. So uh, you know I wanted to get into reading comics. I found the omnibus format, which collects entire runs or. Uh, entire works uh, by a created team. And, I got you on that one. Yeah, you know, so yeah. I like to read those. And when I started getting those and sharing them on YouTube, I don't think a lot of people really knew about the format at the time. So a lot of people were drawn to it, and, and they liked it as much as I did. Like, I don't want to hunt down every issue of Spider-Man. Uh, how could you do it? You know, so then, you know, these volumes do that for you. So I read and review those. And the thing about the omnibus and you read weekly comics, right? Yep. When you get into the omnibus stuff, you can get behind on the weekly stuff. And I felt like I had fell behind. I want to know what's going on like currently. So I'm reading the weekly comics, and I do the reviews on them as well. You know, And then, and then as a creator, sometimes you get creative ideas, and you just come up with some type of off-brand video. It's maybe not a review of something, and you might make a, a top 10 list or whatever. So I do all the random stuff as well. When this all like first started... When did the collecting and the enjoyment of omnis and statues and comics transition to you doing content on YouTube? Because then from there to now, this is what you do full time. Yeah, so I guess it started with uh, starting to collect omnis, right? Which is what we call them in the the omnibus community. 
and uh, looking for more. Which ones are out there? Which ones are coming back? And I found Facebook groups. I found other YouTube channels that would cover the content. And in watching those channels, uh, and then doing the same with statues, getting my first statue, looking for other statues that are out, finding people who did reviews, because I'm not the first one to do any of this stuff, you know? And uh, I'm watching these videos, and I'm like, I could do this. I could review a statue. I want to read an omnibus. Give me a, an excuse to read it. The review is the excuse to read it. You know what I'm saying? So I ended up making the YouTube channel, and those channels that I mentioned were kind of niche. Like, they only did that one thing, or they only did this one thing. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to combine it. I want to do everything that I'm into. And, uh, yeah, just did it. Resonated with people. A couple videos gained traction. People found the channel. And, uh, you know, I was working a 9 to 5 this whole time, balancing the work-life balance. And, and eventually it just became to where I was just able to do this full time. So I did that last year. Very organic. Very real. You know, mm. I remember those early Gem Mint videos. <laughs> I felt like I was watching someone enjoy the hobby because we have a camera filming it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. this is what you'd be doing otherwise. Didn't you get that kind of vibe? That's exactly like how I felt. The, the, the fact that you mentioned the combination of statues and really expensive deluxe hardcovers, which is my jam, both of those things combined drew me to the channel because I don't have, I don't always have the money or the space. So, you know, I live in a really, really tiny apartment. So, like, I'm not going to have any room for, like, a gigantic Sentinel display in the back of my, you know, video, dis you know, setup. So, it's cool to just watch and drool over the stuff you do on your channel. Let me just say, though, I am a few years older than you guys. When I was younger, I was broke as hell. And, and I couldn't afford any of that stuff, too. But, man, as you get older, I was working a regular job. Shout out to Florida Power and Light, man. I, I have love for them still. I was there 15 years. Regular job. Started getting into collectibles. I was always into it as a kid. But, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, I got to the point where I could buy those, and, yeah, that's how it got started. Do you think that's why your community really, like, jives with you? You know, because right. in those early days, I remember you would do, like, live streams, just, like, having a drink with the community, streaming for hours, right. you know? You're, like, you're one of the first breakout, not just statue and review channels, but, like, community channels. Yeah, and, you know, it was also wasn't the first one to do that. I saw a lot of other channels doing that stuff. I wanted to do my take on it, my personality, you know, my ideas. And yeah, my channel was not unique whatsoever. It just kind of grabbed on everything and combined it into one. That's pretty much how it happened. Yeah. When did your channel start? I started the channel October of 2017. Something happened, you know, like right around the turn of that year, like the early 2018 is when mm -hmm. we started yeah. And like Bueller came up all around the same time. Reggie like, collects as well. Exactly. That the whole like comic community kind of all all percolated right around that same time. That's it was really a perfect storm. It was like a new generation wave because there was a generation prior. Then you have some of those channels that are still the big top channels that you know they were the wave before that. There I was think it's a the resurgence. Same. Like same for us. Like right. we had a list of channels that we enjoyed. You know, oh, we yeah. were being entertained by. But because of the like limited quantity. And then also like the just overall production not being made for purely entertainment. You know, we were watching like a lot of just community channels, people just doing live streams. Google and, Hangouts. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like an extension of Google Hangouts. And then seeing that need, wanting to participate. And then, you know, on our channel, it started as Instagram, just like yeah. small little 
snippets of videos mm. to now full fledged podcasts. And you're doing very similar things. Yeah. I mean, I, I started on Instagram first. That's when I first created the whole gem mint persona thing, which really I didn't create. It was just the name of the Instagram page. I didn't intend for people to call me gem mint. And when they would say, Hey, gem, that was a dope book. I'm like, I'm gem. <laughs> like what the hell? I, I can't call you Steven. Steve. Like, yeah, people Steve, don't even whatever, know my name. Like, one. Your name's not Steve. You're, you're not, you're not Steven. You're, That's you're too normal, man. But, it does uh, feel a little weird calling Jem Steve. I call you Jem. No, no. Yeah. I, and, and I, so it's weird. When I don't know how to introduce myself. We're at these cons. We're meeting creators. Hey, uh, my name's Steve. I go by Jem Mint. You know, it's kind of right. a weird thing. That's a weird mouthful. But, you know, I, with, with the Instagram thing, I just kind of rolled with it. And I was, and I, I didn't like it at first. I was like, Jem? I don't, this is, I don't feel like a Jem. And then uh, I ended up just uh, rolling with it. And then, you know, started from there. And then we went to the YouTube after the Instagram. I was doing the Instagram with that community and posting books and got into buying and selling and all that. So do you remember the first like big video or maybe not even big video? It doesn't have to be about reach or, or, or yeah. performance, but I just mean like, Hey, you did something and you noticed that the community cared more about what you did here. For us, it was like the trending video, you know, it was the first podcast, the hot right. 10, which you were a part of, and, you know, those types of videos. What was like the first one for you? So before that video, just putting out videos and getting reactions from people and comments was like an addicting thing. And that you wanted to make another video sure. and put something else out. And you kept wanting to like throw this stuff out there and, and get feedback from people. So I, I was already on a high doing that, you know. And then I think the video that really made me look at it a little different, like, wait a minute. Maybe this could be something was when I reviewed uh, Sideshow's Thanos on Throne statue. And I think it did, you know. Bigger numbers than I've ever seen, and it really made me think, like, oh man, that like this is this could be something bigger than just what I was I've been doing. So that's when I kind of started to look at it different, um, and it made me even more excited and invigorated and want to do more and put more out and just grow this thing, you know. So it became a hobby in itself, just growing the channel. Like, how much time do we spend doing content? If you don't like doing content, if that's not your hobby, you're not going to be able to put out daily videos. Or in some five videos a week or whatever. We put out a lot of content. Yeah, it never stops. It never so it's its own thing. Which is why, you know, a lot of people, you know, they talk about uh doing it full time. I really couldn't do both anymore to keep up with the pace I was going at. So uh it just kind of was one of these things. This was my nine to five and this was Gem Mint Collectibles and then eventually just was able to like take those training wheels off, really. So you're like collecting statues and then that's sparking other interests. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned comics kind of like fit within all of that. Mm -hmm. And I find that curious because Ryan, you are probably the most recent um, self-described collector of the group. I would say, you know, you, you go through your ongoing titles, you read, 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 you get, you would always get trades. You always get omnis with me. So not, not self-titled co collector, but reader. Reader. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not self-titled. Well now, but now he okay. is a collector. The most recent now calling himself a collector. What, like deluxe know? editions? Um, comic books specifically. I've always been a, even before I was into single issues, I had a Decent sized collection of absolutes and omnis and all that mm -hmm. on my shelf, but I guess yeah, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to fill out every Green Lantern issue. Right, I think it's what you're getting at. I'm collecting all of those. Absolutely. Once I, once I finish that, who knows what, what's going to happen next? But I'm sure, it'll I'm stop, and you'll ever. never want to collect another thing. Exactly. Right. So it was Green Lantern for you. Yeah. You know that kind of like tipped that first domino. You went from nothing, don't want them, don't want to store them. To, I already had the I trades, want you know? all of them. So yeah. like that's a big change. You I need know? to go. Why? Why Full do you want to collect a run of Green Lantern? I just thought it'd be cool. 
You know, I need a goal, something to do while I'm hunting at cons and like digging through that. back issue bins and everything. You know, comics for me has always been not something to do, something to look forward to. Damn, I used to love looking forward to going to the comic shop on Wednesdays. I knew what all, you know, what titles were coming out. So it was something to look forward to. Ordering something online, waiting for it in the mail. You're looking forward to it. You know, that's, that's kind of a big thing for me. And I guess that's probably like retail therapy. That's probably not healthy. That's yeah, <laughs> definitely not healthy. It can probably yeah. be expensive. But uh, that kind of, that helped. The channel helped me be that person because now I have a reason to always get stuff in because I want to create videos and content for the channel. This is for work. <laughs> but does it feel like work to you? Uh, Sometimes I, I'm I sure. love what I do, but I've been doing it for a while. And it can't, you can get burnout, man, especially trying to keep up with a vigorous pace, you know. But, you know, I found myself feeling a burnout stage and then a reinvigorated stage. You know, I'm like now, right now I'm excited. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to be uh, do with moving into new, a new space that I'm going to be able to design, decorate. And I'm really excited to do that. And it's like a big project. I think maybe doing the same videos in the same house every day and it's like you're, you don't really leave the house much. You're just kind of. All right, this, that's where the burnout comes from. But now, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to make this, you know, move and, and do new things. And I'm, I'm back in, back invigorated. So back when I was working at the bank, I used to buy a lot of statues. And after about two years, I gave up collecting, sold what I had left because I had a cat. He would knock them over, <laughs> break the statues. And it's like the same. It's the only similar thing I can think of is to compare it to damaging your own comic book that... You know, you maybe you're going to do a press or something. You're going to try to fix it up or you were being careless and you tore something. Right. That's why I stopped collecting statues. But I find your channel fascinating because this is a collectible that I only get to see at conventions at best. Maybe. And only some conventions. Yeah, some conventions, maybe some LCSs. Right. I'm curious, as someone who reviews statues, I want to know um, two things. One, on average, how many statues are you, like, receiving mm. in a given month? Like, these giant packages <laughs> that has to be a full orchestration of just right. like delivery and, right. and, and like where you store that kind of thing. The, and then the next question I have is what's your like least favorite things about statues? <laughs> Got you. And if my cat was knocking down my statues, constantly damaging them, I probably would not want to collect statues anymore either. Or cats. It depends on the cat. If it's Butch, <laughs> statues got to go straight right. up. <laughs> How many statues, you know, I don't really like tally that up at all. Uh, it's got to be uh, once a month at least. Maybe sometimes there's a little bit more. Sometimes too many are ready at once and shipping bills are due and it's like, oh, damn, man, I got to do something. Give me an idea. Like what kind of shipping bills are you dealing with? Because I know comic shipping, but statues are no, no, heavy no. as hell. So, I mean, the, the best shipping rate is buying domestically from someone like Sideshow. And you're talking about maybe $70, maybe uh, Minimum, I don't know, 30 to, to 100, depending on the size. 70 is my average is what I would say, not the minimum. So it could be higher. It could be two boxes from Prime One Studio that are $350 each. Right. And can you give the audience maybe a little perspective of, about these statues? Because they can get very big. So I like to collect quarter-scale statues, which probably average about 20 inches or so. And then I also collect one-third scale, which are usually like... 30 inches. I mean, if you see my channel. Is they, that off the desk or off the floor? Wherever it is. It's 30 inches and 30 inches. If I'm holding it up here or down here. I need some more. I, I, How about I off my table, Jim? How tall is it? Bring them here. Check out one of my statue reviews. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> I was just looking at your Dawnbreaker review the other day. Dawnbreaker. So the Dawnbreaker, I think I say the, uh, the size in that video. I think it was, was it 35 inches or something like that? Very tall piece. So they come in two huge boxes that are usually larger than that 
in you know length, and then the, you have some width and some depth, and there's two boxes, and they're very heavy, 70 pounds each or whatever. So, yeah, it, it could get crazy expensive. Uh, and, you know, if you import something from another country, you know, that could be overseas shipping those heavy boxes. So it could be expensive, an expensive hobby, man. It's, it's the, that what is some of the things I hate about collecting statues paying for shipping costs. <laughs> what about the cost of the actual statues? Can you give me some perspective? Some, like, <laughs> like average costs of these giant statues. It's funny you say that because some of the shipping costs can be the price of an average statue. Which is insane, but yeah, uh, a typical quarter scale like premium format from Sideshow or a Maquette probably averages around six hundred dollars. Shipping would be maybe something like I said, like seventy bucks. I mean, it depends on where you are, this and that. But uh, Sideshow will distribute Prime One Studio pieces from uh, Prime One in Japan, and they have the Dawnbreaker. They do DC one third scale pieces, and it could have two boxes, and you could end up with two hundred and fifty dollars per box, three hundred oh. per box. So the good thing about statues is they, they're pre-orders. They pre-order and they have a nine-month window or so to be made, so they offer payment plans. It's nice to have the statue paid off so when the shipping bill comes, that's the only thing you've got to deal with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you have that kind of sideshow range, and then the Prime One Studio range, you're looking at like around $1,500. So, you know, there could be because of the size difference or more going on, more material, whatever the reasons for the higher cost. They kind of have those two ranges. Then there's XM Studios, big company out of Singapore. Uh, their quarter-scale pieces tend to be a little bit more expensive than Sideshow, but their edition sizes are much lower, which is important. As you all know, print runs count, right? It matters how many of something there is. So Sideshow might have a 3,500 edition size for a statue, and then XM Studios might have a 300 edition size. So that higher cost with that shipping bill, if you import it, you know what I'm saying, from another country, um, it's kind of offset by this is a more scarce of a piece. Okay, so you don't like the shipping and the cost. It is very expensive. I right. imagine that's probably most people, uh, most individuals, like issues with entry to this part of the collectible. Right. Um, what about after you have the statue? So You've already gone through the, you know, it's, it's at the house now. What parts are you like, damn, I hate this part? You know what I really don't like? Reviewing a statue that has two boxes, that has a lot of styrofoam within the shipper box, protecting the art box that protects the styrofoam box, opening all that, unboxing it, taking all the pieces out of the plastic and the tissue, assembling it, doing a review, and because I just moved into a new house and don't oh, have shelves. Do you put it back? I got to box it all back up. Oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. I'm always assuming you just... You have a spot already. So for I it. used to be like that, but again, with this move, and then a, a lot of other stuff happened with the channel. You you run out of space, then you start selling because you'd rather have this than that. Then you say, you know what? I'd rather not even do this line anymore. I, I really like this new stuff that's coming out. So first of all, it's a constant packaging and unpackaging, and that's why one of the biggest things I hate is is the boxes because you can't throw them out. You if you throw out them. that statue, it's it, it's it completely devalues it. Because you can't really sell it unless it's a local pickup, which some people do. The box that is? Because if you gave her the box because you don't want to store it, now you can really only sell that piece locally to somebody. Yeah, because you can't ship it. You can't ship it. You're not going to get it there safely. You know, I mean, you could. it could be done, but it doesn't really go down like that. But those boxes have, like, like laser chisels out holes for the exact same, like, So you want to keep them not only because it devalues, not only because you might want to sell it, because there's some collectors that have never sold a statue, but what if you move? Can you ballpark a... Like, you know, I know it's, I know it's changing all the time, but ballpark your, your highest quantity statues at one time. Like how much have I had at one time the most? Yeah. 
Well, here's the thing. I'm not the collector who's ever had the most pieces either. I might have had maybe 80 statues at one time, but there's collectors. There's some that I'm friends with that on YouTube that 10 times that there's collectors in the Facebook groups that forget it. They have every statue. They have huge houses where they're able to display it. So there's always a bigger fish in the sea in anything. So you know, I'm like now just piecing together is that you must have an entire room just for the boxes. Well, I'll tell you what we did. Or a storage unit or something. We used to keep them all in the garage. But then I didn't like that because a lot of statues come with alternate switch outs, portraits, head sculpts or whatever, like different arms. plain one for and, the Dawnbreaker. And I don't want it. Right. Yeah. That was kind of not a good one. And, <laughs> you know, some people keep them out. You know, then it kind of gets cluttered. Me, I put it back in the box. So I didn't really want all these boxes with pieces of statues in the garage during the heat. You know, we were in a very hot climate. So uh, I had a storage unit. I was paying monthly a storage unit to store my statue boxes. Probably could have bought a statue <laughs> Oh yeah, with that money that you put towards the storage unit. But now we know the secret behind keeping up with 80 plus statues at any given point. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, there's more than just displaying the statue, which is also another issue. You have to have the space. If I gave you a premium format right now, where would you put it? Oh man, nowhere. Not in here. Not no. in here. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean this is the closest thing. I mean, I have a couple statues behind me. This one was broken by Fire Guy Ryan. I was gonna say earlier, it's not just cats <laughs> that break your statues. It's friends. Yeah, Ryan Co-hosts. dropped this one. He legit just fumbled it on camera. Well, hold on. On camera, it was on camera. I was, I was, it was on my little stack next to my microphone, and I was like, I wonder what's on the bottom of the base for some reason. I wanted to read (laughs) whatever, but you didn't know it keyed in. Yeah, yeah, it just popped. No, people do that. Like I've heard stories, and I don't think anyone's ever done it to me. But somebody like you have a family member come in, you show them your statue display, and they go to pick it up by the torso, but it connects at the legs. You know what I'm saying? And or or sometimes these pieces they they fit very snug. You pick it up, it might be all attached. Boom, the base drops out. Can we talk about more like dangers? Like, like you, I have a lot of comic book stories, you know, mm-hmm. like dangers, things that go wrong, you know, whether it's like theft or uh. just like weird stuff, counterfeits, this, you know. Yeah. Like, what are some statue stories? Like, what's like how, how bad has it gotten? I think the biggest danger in the statue collecting I world hear some drama is people trying to scam, mm. people trying to sell statues that they don't have. And maybe they're not even familiar with the community. I think they really go through Facebook Marketplace and they see these want-to-buys for $1,300 pieces and they try to hit you with the scam. Oh, I have this piece ready to deliver today. Or however, there's a lot of people trying to get money out of statue collectors uh, saying that they're going to receive a statue that they have no intention to sell. So I think being scammed online to pay somebody and not receive the piece is the biggest threat. That's crazy, yeah. you know, because it's like a big ticket item. Well, you look, just get one. It's 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 an expensive thing. It happened to me. I recently even made a video about it that I tried to buy this statue, Batman, uh, Nightfall, uh, Azrael, you know, from obviously uh, the Nightfall storyline, one third scale, and uh, I, and it wasn't until I was editing the video that I was like, this guy doesn't even know what the statue is. But in in the moment, I'm thinking I'm dealing with somebody, you know, in the community, and I don't want to be too pushy, and it's like, oh, this guy, Jim Mint's a real jerk, you know what I mean, this and that. But, uh, you know, when I when I f- found out 100% I was being scammed, luckily they didn't get the money from me. The problem was I wouldn't uh, approve it once I sent it goods and services. So what do they ask? Like, walk me through this. So they show me a picture of the statue. Hey, I said, does it have the shipper box? Yes, it does. You know, you ask, I kind of asked a couple of questions you need to ask. But me, I'm ready to pay. I'm paying through PayPal. I'm paying goods and services. I figure, hey, worst case scenario, I'll file a claim, get my money back. So I wasn't too worried. But in retrospect, 
my prop, there were some red flags that I didn't catch right away. And I've bought a lot of statues. Like I've had 80 at one time. I've had a lot more than that over the course of my collecting. But I, I, there were so many more questions I should have asked, you know, and I didn't. And luckily, like I said, I did file that claim and get my money back. But uh, it's happening. Now, somebody else could have clicked on that res- um, received item thing that they were trying to get me to click on. And, and then they probably wouldn't have been able to get the money back. So luckily, I was smart enough to not go to that level. And, I, I you know, I got I was able to get it back. So. You mentioned some red flags. Can you do you recall any? Yeah. So, I mean, I could have said, hey, can you show me a picture of the statue? Can you prove to me that it's in your possession? Can you put a piece of paper with the date mm. next to the statue? Can you be in a selfie with a spoon? Like, whatever. Like, let me know you're really selling this. And that's probably what I'm going to do with strangers from now on. See, the problem is we start getting used to buying from the same people, you know, friends that you meet online, other collectors, and you'll send friends and family no problem. You have a rapport. You've been dealing and doing business with them for a long time. So you get comfortable buying online. And you got to realize that there's still people that are out there trying to trying to scam you. Can you remember, like, back when uh, you're scrolling Instagram, maybe on YouTube, and you just see this, like – little energetic, like Harry Potter looking kid. And like, I'm going <laughs> to click on this thing and be like, who's this Tom your first, guy? Your first Tom experience. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. I do remember it. I remember out of nowhere, a bunch of people on Instagram were hitting me up. Jem, you got to check out Comic Tom. You got to collab with Comic Tom. You got to, you got to see Comic Tom. And I was like, who the, f- <laughs> who is this Comic <laughs> Tom? Everyone was talking about. So I checked him out and I really liked how you were doing content on YouTube, but I feel like you were also doing video content on Instagram stories and even to this day, you're always kind of doing a l- the little bit of the extra, you know? And, and I was like, okay, this guy's kind of got like a thing. I, I already saw in you what other people were seeing and what many people would see to come. Like, yo, this guy's got something. So uh, we did like a FaceTime call. That's right. Yeah, on your channel. We did it on my channel live. So it was like, you guys want me to meet Comic Tom? Let's just do it live, baby. Really? We, I didn't we know went that. live on IG. And I'll tell you what, I was in the parking lot at FPNL, I was on a lunch break. And uh, I had my phone in my phone holder that would go to the window because I would actually go live on IG driving to and from work sometimes. But I had it there, and we talked until my phone, I guess it got too hot in the sun. Oh, my gosh, And it yeah. cut right off. You remember that? I remember that. I ended up getting with you after that, like, hey, listen, my phone fried. Like, 45 minutes later after it came back to life, it did something i never seen it do. It had, like diagnostics checks running like yo overheated and i think i was like yo your iphone can overheat apparently i never (laughs) knew that was a thing thanks a lot tom yeah and i don't remember how far after that it got into a conversation of collaborating together but i mean yeah that was the point like we wanted to meet each other because we both were building our own audiences like right and to combine them i was always with that i was always down to collaborate because hey maybe my people see you your people see me and uh, I really, you know, I liked key issues. I, I was at this point buying and selling and doing other things on Instagram that were unique and new. And I like to talk about comics. I, I have people like, you know, from Instagram from before YouTube, I still talk to to this day. And we talk about the game. We talk about, can you believe this went for this? Or, you know, th- I'm getting this key. So I still like have a relationship with ki- collecting keys, even though I was getting out of it at the time and getting into the statues and the omnibus stuff. But yeah, I remember that. And I don't know. Did you tell them to hit me up? I think I may have. Okay, so you, you, know, you, you rated think, me. Yeah, because like I had been watching your your channel prior to you inviting me on, and I actually think remember back in the day, I showed you and Russ because Jeff wasn't even on the channel at this point. Examples of other YouTubers who's we had like a research a splash. day. Yeah. I took some time like one day. I'm like, yo, I want I have this idea for a podcast. Um, at the time, it was a podcast. I didn't even really know what I was going to do at the time. But I'm like, I, what I knew was I had some some 
uh, channels that I, I really messed with. Like, I really liked your channel, and I really liked Eris's channel, um, Variant Comics, who's also a good friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And I showed those videos to you and Russ, and I was like, yo, look, look, look what these guys are doing. They're putting effort into their production. Um, they're serving the community community that we're a part of. And also, they're like real people, you know? Right. And, and your channel specifically was so real that there was more examples from your channel than Eris's solely because you're talking about comics and then also the, you know, unboxing and the collectible and the which stuff you, in-house. You're, and you're into that. You're into right. the collectible aspect of CGC. I watch it for right. fun. And small stats. Exactly. And you know what's funny about Eris? I watched his video before I even was on Instagram, I think. I think I was at work and somebody was saying anti-venom. And I was like, who the hell's an anti-venom? I had just got back into reading. I think I was reading <laughs> Remender's uh, Venom run. That's one of the first runs I picked up getting back to comics. And Dan Slott's Spider-Man was going on during that time as well. So I was like, who the hell's anti-venom? I put it in Google. A video came up, and it was uh, variant. Right? Algorithm, baby. That's how that works. And I was like, yep. and they, that yeah, was a really good video. And this has got to be like 2014 or something. Dude, they've been doing it like Maybe, 10 yeah. years now. One of the godfathers of first comic of all, book channels. For all I knew, that was like what comic book channels were. He, oh, they always had a professional uh, appearance with good production, and it was very informative, informative, and pictures would fly across the screen. And I learned who anti-venom was. By watching that video, and then I would eventually read that run and uh, and all that kind of stuff, and have the first appearance and collect. You know, I was always a very compulsive collector. I got the statue, got the first appearance, I read the comic book, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, so shout out to Eris. Where were we going with that? <laughs> Ryan was asking the first time that we connected, mm-hmm. and with that said, we would become friends soon after that conversation on your YouTube channel because right. I would kind of make my debut to the Geminites via like a really minor interview. Oh, so we did like a live show thing. Yeah, I was doing a lot of live shows and I was always experimenting with the channel. Let's do guests online. Let's get this guy on. Let's get this guy on. So I think I told you, hey, the best thing for us to collaborate is just do it live together. Well, I have a confession, Jim, that first interview, which we would become friends afterwards, mm. you know, henceforth, days prior... I would have gone on the second date with someone I had met off a dating app. And on the second date, which we kind of hit it off, and I was very excited about, you know, meeting this new person. Right. Um, I would tell them, hey, I can't hang out tomorrow. Um, I'm actually doing a show on YouTube. It's this guy named Gem Mint from Gem Mint Collectibles. I'm very excited about it. And this is like in the early stages of YouTube stuff. So, you know, the first time I'm ever communicating to someone I'm just meeting that, oh yeah, I do like stuff on YouTube, you know, content about, about comic books and things like that. Yeah. So I was hyping up that interview and after that interview, I would get ghosted. Wow. That's the biggest <laughs> surprise I've ever heard in my Did life. Did you watch the interview? Was that the reason why? I don't know, but I have a feeling that there was maybe a Oh yeah, this, this guy's a YouTuber, and you know, and it's like I have a lot of confidence, you know. So like maybe there was like, let's go like see what it's like. I'm on this like webcam, <laughs> talking low to budget, low quality. I don't remember that being too exciting. I think I had somebody else even on there, and we were just talking about whatever. I don't. It wasn't anything like memorable, but I'm sorry that that may have led to that ghost. <laughs> well, it would be it would be, you know start a friendship with you, and then you know. Maybe in order for what us happened, to... What happened, comic fam? I don't know. In order for us to build a friendship, that person couldn't be in the mix. It couldn't be part the of it. The universe was like, you know what? <laughs> this balance. is not... You know? I balance, see it. Balance, baby. That's what happens, right? That's all things should be. 
Perfectly balanced. So for every week for two years, oh, you know, we've done a video. Um, two videos, actually. And I want to chat about that because they started during one of the most, I would say, surprising times in comic book history. Um, the pandemic began mm -hmm. and collectors would go nuts <laughs> over trying to secure their collectibles that they would possibly want in their lifetime because competition just went up 10x and the market exploded. Yeah. And out of that, we would start doing two different videos. And I don't think we knew the, the, the moment in comic history that we were right. working in. <laughs> but let's talk about the start of that and, and where that's gone because we've been doing these videos every week for two years now. Right. Yeah, man. And you know what's funny? Like I, I would mention, I still had an interest in key issues. Like that's kind of what really drove me into comics. I mean, it started with trading cards, but then they had the first appearance on the back. So I, I was a key issue guy. So when you sold me what this list was, I knew what you did. I knew the, the trending, and I wasn't really into that because I wasn't really keeping up with modern comics at the time. I just got back into it, you know? But uh, I was getting key issues, buying them online, early eBay, getting hella deals and deals compared to today. Uh, so I wanted to do that, you know? And what's funny that you mentioned that it happened to be a time in comics where we got into this boom. And the point of those videos was to report on record-breaking sales. There was a lot of them, and, and there was they were impressive ones. So... Please don't watch the old videos, guys. I, it's super cringe. I feel comfortable now. I really like our shows now. But back then, you know, we were trying to figure out the format, figure out each other. But um, Not for nothing. Also, like, deal with remote creating, you know, with, pande with pandemic, um, with, yeah. with people being isolated. Being home. And, yeah, that's what it was. having to be home. You know, I had, like, multiple sets at that time. We're putting together a new list, mm -hmm. um, something that's a bit... I don't want to say more important because like there's a historical value to every list that we do, but the yeah. hot 10 it's, it's, it separates itself from the trending list because the trending list is like, it's so volatile. It's like all over right. the place because it reflects what's happening in, in culture and history and the, and like that particular week in news, right? That moment in time. But the hot 10, Oh, a nine, eight came out of the, of just out of nowhere. It just came out of nowhere after 13 years. And then, boom, everything changes. The landscape changes. And we hit it at the peak when it just hit all at once. And, and it was a, a giant earthquake across the collector's circle. But then, over time, com some comics cooled off. Yeah. Some comics started. And then it, it, it starts to transition into something what I think is the most valuable tool of that Hot 10. We're able to prove, without a doubt, what the hottest comics are in the marketplace. And we're not talking about like the, the trending most comic books. That's right. a different list. We're talking about the hottest book, the book that if someone says, if as an investor or something, hey, what are people buying right now? Well, hey, last week, these were the books. Yeah, and I think what what's good about the hot 10 list is that's a long-term list. That's not something that's you want to get in and get out during that week or that month. That's like long-term buys. You could see... The market's ups and, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. And you know what I think a lot of people don't realize about that video is that, you know, we're not making up this list. We're not saying that you should buy this or that. This is a list that is based off sales that happened. And right. what we do is try to figure out why it happened. Why is it, okay, that movie's coming out. We try to, like, look at the data and make it make sense. Absolutely. And I think there was no bigger surprise then when we ended our year this past year, um, when we were hit with, maybe not this past year, but the year before, um, like the first year that we did it, and we were hit with the 
top 10 of the year. Going back through all the data that we had, literally 52 weeks, you know, that's 520 times that we've talked about a comic book. That, because there's 10 books on each list, we actually have an accounting for every book, how often it made the list and what placement they made the list. And we can rank them based off of analytics to have the definitive hottest 10 of the year. And then the ramifications around that. And wow, like, you know, it's a great video. I'm I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm not trying to pat myself too hard on the back, but the responsibility is something that was just like all of a sudden, oh, this is, this is important. Right. Well, you know what I like is after a year, after two years, you can fact check yourself. We don't have to look at GPA. We can check back to the video that we reported on this and we can kind of see what we said about it. Maybe we were right. Maybe we were wrong. Uh, we never tell somebody to buy the book. You know, maybe I say that's something I would buy or not yeah, buy. Yeah, give a, I, I think sometimes we've given recommend. I've gotten a little bit more liberal with my recommendations. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sandman 1 selling for under $1,000 or Sandman 8. So you're, con- you're confident enough sometimes about I'll that. Sometimes I'll be like, right. hey. If you get this for a thousand, like what? It may go down a hundred bucks. Like it's gonna be okay. Yeah, you know. Well, Sandman one, I think post show you can easily be confident in it. A lot of that stuff can determine the price. A show sucks. All of a sudden, you don't see that book on a list anymore. Why is that? Nobody's buying it because the interest isn't there. But now Sandman is resonating with a lot of people. That's the time you gotta buy it though. You'll get right. So I mean, you should have bought it already. You shouldn't be really buying the books once we're telling you it just broke record. Because unless you're getting it for under that. Well, sometimes because right. now we're actually reporting a lot of, because there's not as many like crazy record breakers. Like the, right. the peak of a lot of these books just happened for some time. It's, it's not always like that. But what we're now seeing is, oh, well, since that peak, since it's dropped, right. when we see a 30 or 40 or 50% increase. Above well, average. Well, now we have the peak. Right. And now we have lows. When it ramps up. That's information that yeah. that is so valuable for deciding and assessing the collector's mentality. Why are they buying something? What's going through their minds when they spend five thousand freaking dollars? I don't think the video's intention was ever to always report record-breaking sales. We're reporting on the sales from the comic market. So yeah, sales peaked, they went down, and now we report on sales that we're seeing strong sales, sales mm-hmm. that are now going above the average, and we try to figure out why that's happening. Ryan, Ryan's been helping out with the list, adding his two cents. Is it because of this? Is it because of that? And no, 99% of the time it's because something is happening with that character or that arc or whatever. So Ryan, you are not as familiar with GPA, for example, but this is a tool that we have to use and it's a very, very valuable tool. I recommend everybody um, who's interested in pricing to not just have an account and pay for it, but like to, to be well-versed in it. But over the last few weeks, you've been coming more well-versed and can you see why members maybe not just value videos like this more because we try to make that information more palatable, but also why a lot of members just don't care to venture to learn about these types of things. When you get the list off of the key collector app, there is definitely a middle ground. There's a process you have to go through from that list until the final video that you watch on, on our channel and seeing the, uh, the work that's done behind the scenes on how you kind of craft like Jim's been talking about, like how you, you dig in and research, like maybe why is this book spiking? This character popped up for three seconds in a most recent trailer. So now we got to right. f- dig into this character's history and figure out like, what's that book about? What, it, what does he do? What's his backstory? Why, why that character? Why right now? What's the implications in the future? There's all kinds of different ways each one of these entries can go. And it kind of turns the creation of these lists into a, uh, to a very big project. Well, when you're going on GPA, what's that experience been like? You can be honest. Overwhelming. <laughs> Lots of numbers. 
Lots of numbers, so lots of a, charts, lots you're not of a numbers guy. Lots of dates. I'd like to think I'm a numbers guy, but I'm definitely until recently haven't been a very big let me uh let me know the values of the nine eights of ultimate fallout four year over year, you know, trends and that's all that's all out of well, my well, I just want to read the books. Here's the thing. Why would you need to know that? I never needed to until I started so helping more directly. I only needed to know that because I was interested in buying and selling and I would study GPA at work on my lunch break. <laughs> at my desk, I would study GPL. This oh, look at the green arrows, the purple arrows, and I studied that and other things. You know, I don't think Key Collector was out at that time, but yeah, you, there's no reason for you to really follow that unless you're buying and selling. I would say, but seeing your reaction to how difficult it is to kind of <laughs> understand, it helps me appreciate at, the videos that much more. It, it definitely gave me a little bit more insight into maybe what our community members value from it, which is like, how do we make sometimes complicated information make sense? Not just to us, but, but to an audience who may be like seriously considering buying some expensive right. comic books, according to like whatever that means to them. Um, Cause a book can be expensive. If it's a hundred bucks. I mean, there was times where, like I didn't want to buy a hundred dollar books. I didn't have a hundred dollars to spend on it. I feel like speaking as the, uh, as the novice to this whole side of things, basically the general rule is if you, if you see a book you're interested in on one of these lists, uh, that's not the time. <laughs> don't buy it at that time. Like that's if it's on the list, we're reporting on it for it because it's, it's had a high point. Things are moving. Things are happening. Right. More you know? times than not. Yes. However, how many times have we called something on the mic and said, yeah, but what's going to happen? What's going to happen, you know, if this keeps going in this direction? So, so like, I agree with that to an extent there because is a flip I think that's probably what the average person feels like. Like, oh, this isn't 8 billion genies. Some books go up and up and up and right? up. And if you don't get on at some point, you're not going to get on. Right. Exactly. The times that works, then you better, you better get on as soon as you can before it becomes unreachable. I mean, how many people are ongoingly talking about Miles, 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 I'm investing in Miles. Miles is the next gen. It's the best Spider-Man. I want to own Miles, right? Everybody, every yeah. convention. There's even new comics being created around old comics about Miles. So does it make sense that Miles Morales at a 9.8 is hitting like lows of $2,100 when it peaked at 4K and it was 3K for pretty much most of the year? It's kind of interesting it's, to start it's, it's digging a, into the numbers and learning so, why that is well, and like so, following the trail. And, and what we make sense of the data and say, hey, Into the Spider-Verse was a huge movie. Miles was a hit. Kids love him. The newer audience loves him. A lot of veteran comic book fans love him. So it had its peak. But when you don't have anything really going on with the character, it cools down. But, you know, if we get a sequel, it starts to spike up again. So making it a good time to buy, which is... Good to watch those videos. And also what I want to say, a lot of people watch the videos to see if the books they own hit the list. Happy that they own ASM 252 because they bought it two years ago and now it's sold for this. Yep. You can't or, keep track of it, you know? And, and, with and, 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 genies. and just to add one more, if this book just breaks record, you kind of know this ceiling. So you want to try to get it under that at least. And you want to go 90-day average, maybe get it though. You know, you break down the data because you want to buy it for a good price. So which video that you do with me do you like the most? The hot 10 or the runners-up tabling how difficult it is to create either one. Like just as far as just like what the actual video is, entertainment value. So I enjoy recording both, um, but I think with the hot 10, it's more books that I know, but it takes longer to record because we're reporting on three sales and sometimes the same book pops up and we don't want to say the same thing about it. We're trying to figure out why is it popping up again, which is actually a good thing, which means the book is still hot. But the honorable mentions, uh, it's easier because it's just one sale, one off books. 
But sometimes it's books that I'm not familiar with. So it's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I don't know nothing about this character, man. Golden Age guru, get him in here, you know? So <laughs> uh, I, I guess, I don't know, I, I enjoy both. I, lo- I like both for different reasons. They have their pros and they have their cons as far as producing it. There we go. I like the live shot best. Because that's easiest? That's the one I'm <laughs> That's the one you like, Ryan? And it's easy. Well, you've been in a lot of videos recently. I have been. I've been trying to you know, flex my trending muscle. I'm not as good at it. But, you know, like you say, apparently fast forward a couple of years and it won't be awkward or uncomfortable. Yo, so. Don't watch my old videos with Tom, please. Well, okay, let's let's dive a little bit into the videos with me then. I mean, we're both here. We're, we're full honesty here. What's it been like recording with me? You can be straight with the oh, comic fan. I'm going to be straight. Do this it. guy takes a lot of takes. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, we have more bonus footage, deleted scenes than we have edited footage. Comic Tom is not an easy collabor- collaborator <laughs> to work with, but what I appreciated about you and what I kind of borrow from you from time to time is when I'm recording a video at home and I mess up a sentence, sometimes I just re-jump into that sentence midway. Sometimes I'll say, okay, let me do that whole sentence over. Tom's going to redo a whole take on your ass. That could be a paragraph. <laughs> And uh, I kind of respect the um, the professionalism in that and the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wanting that final product to be the best it can be without the cuts. And I've seen some of your old videos that you cut a lot. He, you don't see cuts because he's going to redo the entire take. So it could be for a long recording session. I had to stop recording in 4K <laughs> because my camera would literally overheat and I would have to wait five minutes for that, I could turn it back on. It doesn't do that anymore, and we've gotten much faster at what we do. I mean, it's two years is half the YouTube time I've been on YouTube. So, me, me like, too. it's gotten better. Me, I've been on YouTube four years. But yeah, comic fam, I, I, I go on. Do you need 4K for this? I feel like 4K is great for a statue. To show I've been it all telling this guy for years, you don't need to do 4K, Jim. The reason why is not because I want you to see me in 4K. Yeah. It's like when you want to edit, you might want to do a zoom shot. You might, sure. you don't want a quality. stagnant shot. Because that's very unappealing to a viewer. And when you zoom in with 4K, it's the same clarity. If you do a 1080p, you zoom in, you're pixelated or blurry. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it's on Tom's channel. It's not mine, so who cares? Yeah. I'll do 1080p. <laughs> and you can actually see some of those older videos. I'm looking pretty pretty rough, and Jim's, like, crystal clear like he's in the room. But Tom would be like, hey, hey Jim, I think you should really get a Sure microphone. <laughs> yeah, you see so Yeti. Like so a little Bluetooth best forcing fight. me to I- improve. I, I see did, what he's doing. Dude. But in my mind, I was like, you know what? I probably should be doing this. But I created a monster because he's using 4K now. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> 4K with the Sure mic and the mixer. I don't have one of these yet. I need to get one of those. Yeah, I'm definitely like, to a degree, like, com- I don't want to say like obsessed with. Hmm. Trying to make it perfect. Perfectionist is it, what I'm I looking for. I don't even know if it's like if it's perfection. I don't I don't want to call it that because sometimes it's like I just gotta get it done. But some of these things we do, and I would love to know a little bit about like the time you put into what you do. Yeah. Because there's a lot of time just to just get the things you're gonna review That's, or to read the things you're gonna talk about. So let's talk about that. But yeah, when I go through scripting, and Ryan, you've been doing scripting with me a lot more as of late. Some of these videos take three to four hours to prep for. Yeah. And then performing, sometimes. you know, could be, yeah, or longer. Um, and then performing, let's say it's a 30, you know, a 15 minute video takes 30, 45 minutes yeah. or so, right? Yep. Um, maybe an hour because there's a little On bit of On the a, camera and mic, not talking about the pre no, work required. You know, and I'm someone who likes to practice. I'll look in the mirror. I'll go through this stuff. I'll, 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 I'll walk around and I'll try to like, because I'm trying to write jokes and I'm trying to go all out for the community, you know? So I'll do things like that. And then the edit can take eight hours sometimes. Like it's, it's a full day event, right? So I'm thinking I'm tallying all those hours up in my head 
it's not just all my hours, you know, Jem's time. And then there's individuals who are helping me script and there's individuals who are helping me edit. And I'll edit nearly as much as I used to. Shout out. Does he edit at all anymore? No. Nah, not, not nearly. Sometimes, sometimes I'll have to edit. Okay, but, jump but, in there. But, I and you. I recommend everyone knowing how to do that kind of stuff. No, no, yeah, yeah. Photoshop and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't do it as much anymore because there's people who are on the team who do it better than me. Mm, but I true. think of all those things in those split seconds of mistakes. And then I go, I didn't just like do all that work. And Jem's not going to be here and give me his time. And then Slav's not going to edit the video. And, you know, Chandler's not going to make a thumbnail for me to just like half-ass this number. That may be less fun to watch right. or less informative, which is the whole reason why we're doing it. So what about you? Like, What parts are you up, maybe up more, more obsessive than not about with what you do? How much time do you spend? So like you said, and I was going to say that first, I was surprised when you said it. There's a lot that goes into the hustle and bustle of getting the statue, trying to afford everything, uh, getting the book, reading the omnibus, uh, coming up with the concept, making a list, making talk points about it. Now, me, I don't really script as much, but I know what I, I kind of Jay-Z it a little bit. I'm kind of like writing the video in my head mm -hmm. while I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm unboxing it. I'm split, uh, stretching that spine on the omnibus. I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm kind of like, okay, this is going to be the intro. This is what I'm going to talk about. Do, 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 these are the, and then when I'm looking at the statue, I'm scripting the review, right? So <clears throat> a lot of time goes into obtaining something. It comes in. You got to do an unboxing. So for me to unbox a statue, and I'm filming it while I'm doing it. So it's not just like ripping open a box and take. You have to like set up the shot, get the cameras, make sure it doesn't overheat. You got to tip the 4K, do the blur, uh, and then it's probably I don't know maybe a good 30 minutes of unboxing. Then you're assembling the piece for like 15 minutes. Then you're taking pictures of it. Then you're doing b-roll stuff where it's just because you got to go through every step of the review mentally like oh here's the head oh the head right um, if i move it this way it's a different shot so i have to do a whole other shot of this other position and then you're getting the the full right. shot and the small shot you ever miss a shot and you're like oh damn yeah you ever definitely. be tempted to redo it all or or times that i uh specifically talked about something but i didn't get the footage of it so i'm like talking all about this piece of the base and it's like i have to use like a picture that kind of has that part in it. It's like, damn, man, I might have I might have reboxed it at that point or whatever. Uh, but like you know, you know, back in the day, I everything I unboxed, I had a spot for it. But like I said, we moved and now we got wait on the shelves to get built. But uh, yeah, it takes a long time. And then you got to go and actually, you know, I kind of do reverse order on some things. I don't even know if people know that. Like I, I've been review uh, filming the unboxing first, and then I'll put the thing on the table and do the intro. Uh, or, or do the statue review, then do the intro last. Like, I kind of have a weird order. There's a Frankenstein in it? I, there's a method and a reason for the madness. But, uh, yeah, then you got to do the shot with you on the camera. And I like to go all out. I like to put the lights in the background that match the kind of color scheme. I put on a shirt that I feel matches, the, uh, preferably a shirt with the character I'm doing a statue review of. So once I get all the footage, then I got to edit it. And the editing is not an easy edit. There's different shots, different angles piece it together, you know, and the whole process, I mean, it probably takes me maybe like five or six hours to do a statue unboxing review. And I was, and I'll do them sometimes daily. And you don't, it's not even just the reviews of the statue that you're taking on, like your weekly comic book review video, which I know you're, you're back in action doing that consistently after your move. That's one of the longest running weekly review shows that I know of. And you have it really dialed in, but I also know that in order to read that many comic books, you have to be like 
scheduling yourself oh. to be able to read those. And there's been plenty of times where it's like, it'd be more convenient to do something on a different day. Yeah. And you're telling me, no, this is actually blocked out for my ongoing reads. Like you legit schedule your comic book reading time for a video that, I mean, I, I'm not as sure, but I, I know on our, I'm on, if I did that on this channel, it would be my least watched channel or, or least watched video. Yeah. And I assume it's probably the same on your end, yeah. but there's a value to doing it. And I think you've earned it with how long you've done it. You have one of the most viewed ongoing weekly review shows in the country. And, and I like that when you said one of though, because there's definitely others that have been doing it longer still rock and Robbie, my guy, I watch his as a fan. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing it for a while, and, and it's the least viewed video, I think, if, if you talk about statues and unboxings, but I want to be up to date. Not everything I do is for views. Some things I want to do for me, but it does take the longest for the least return, right? Because I have to read these comics. I start reading them probably Thursday, the week before. Got to read all the image, try to see what am I reading from Dynamite and Boom and IDW and then uh, the Marvel stuff, then all the DC stuff. And I could be with a stack like this. On Tuesday morning, I got to record this on Tuesday night to get it out for Wednesday morning. So I uh, have a supporting wife, Fee. was always, We were talking about it earlier today. All right, it's Tuesday. Dad's got to read. Leave him alone. Let me get in there because I was telling Ryan earlier. I couldn't read with noise in the background, with, with music or TV or people talking. Now I got a little bit better. I can kind of read anywhere now. Kind of like I can really zone in on that. Uh, but, yeah, let me do that. And, um you know, I still enjoy doing it. I almost stopped doing it because I fell behind three weeks and we're doing a lot of traveling. We're doing conventions and I did this move and it's a lot of stuff going on besides what you see on YouTube. So uh, a lot of people were asking for it back, man, you know, and it still didn't really perform well, but it's not really about that. It's more of the, people are asking for this. This is what we do, man. We make mm -hmm. content. You want to see this content? I got you. I want to read. I actually I had already read the third week out of the three that I missed, but I didn't want to like do it so late. It was already past the time, you know, huge task for a low return, but I appreciate you pointing that out because I find that reading comics as much as possible, even if the content itself isn't as popular, it betters the other content that I'm doing. It makes me super sharp right. with all facets of the business and, and, Serving the community. Well, look at this. If I didn't read Dark Knight's Metal, I would have never gotten that Dawnbreaker statue. It does help. I don't, really, I don't think I've ever really thought of that because right. it does help in other aspects. And being current in what's going on in comics helps when we're doing trending lists. Mm -hmm. It helps when we're interacting with other people, maybe in the industry or maybe other you know people who are into comics. So you're right. There is definitely an added value to being up with your comics, uh, not necessarily just for that video. Absolutely. I've actually started a new... Um, method of making sure I read comics that I maybe it's not a priority to get to, but I want to get to it whenever I'm dealing with like damages, you know, say I have a comic book and, and there's, it's a damage. So we're number one issue. If it's damaged to the point where it's like, Oh, I, I can't send this to anybody. I can't even give it away. I just throw that in my backpack and my backpack is now just filled with a bunch of damaged comics. I like reading floppies mm -hmm. the best. It's Me like, too. It's my, I, I do. I enjoy the process of reading full stories from beginning to end. So I always go like Omni or collected edition or graphic novel first, mm -hmm. but the actual like enjoyment of a single issue when you just want to read a comic on the go, Ryan's shaking his head comic fam. We're available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, by the way, if you are uh, joining us on iTunes, give us a, uh, some feedback. Give us a rating. We'd appreciate that. Um, but what about you? Like, what's your favorite? I don't like reading digital, and I read 75% of my comics digital just because 
I'm able to get review copies. And it helps me not have to read everything on Tuesday, uh, which I don't think you're not. That's what I was doing. You're not even supposed to get them on Tuesday anyway. But a lot of shops, hey, man, can you help me out? I want to read this. Uh, Shout out to those shops that helped break the street day for me. But digital, there's a lot of double page spreads that continue. And you don't realize it's a double page spread that you're supposed to read across the top until it's not making sense to that second page. At least the way in the format that I'm reading it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I know that I'm in the minority, but I don't like the single issue experience. I find them stressful and fragile, and you never know which one of them might suddenly be worth a lot of money in like a week or two. <laughs> That's uh, true. So like, I'm that. nervous. I'm, I read with a glove, so I don't touch <laughs> yeah, my you, book. You wear your glo- I glove. I wear a glove, so I hold Ryan the book. Ryan wears a glove. I don't play fan. around, guys. So he if Michael get- Jackson's his comic yeah, book reading. Yeah. You, you know what's funny that you say that? I treat every book that, I re- that I'm reading like... I might want to submit it to CGC for a exactly. 920. I cannot physically <laughs> roll like, up a comic and put it in my pocket. My, even, oh, man. Even if it's issue, no key significance. Okay. No, this might be valuable. There's just some, I always. Oh, my goodness. What is the deal with that? Why okay. can't I? I just feel like I can't damage it. Dude, I, I am um, so on the other end of that. As <laughs> soon as a comic book that it's like, I just know it's just pretty badly damaged. I want to roll it up. I can't. They're meant to be rolled up and throwing your I damn know pocket. They man. are. They you were read that on the go. I don't know. You know, you read that whenever you mm. want. What you're saying is blasphemous to me right now, and I can't really process what you're so saying. When I did, we went to the whatnot hero house. Yeah, yeah. Um, the exiled. Yeah. The, 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 the ash can. can. The ash can. The whatnot is like one of the first ash cans we got. There was one that fell out of the box. The back page ripped. So I thought to myself, that, great. I want to read this on my leisure, so I right. rolled it up, put it in my back pocket. The book is like a, you know, $40, $50 comic book. Right. And there's nothing better than, like, knowing that it's not worth 40 to 50 bucks. If it was <laughs> perfect, it would be. But, like, you know, screw it. Read the damn comic. That's, That's what it's made for. But here's where I disagree. Emerald City Comic Con, we had some damaged comics that were sought after. We gave them away to people that were watching live on whatnot, and they were excited and true. happy and That's eager true. To enter it just for a reader's copy. So it's not like the value, okay, money-wise, maybe it's not worth the same, but there's still value to it. So I don't know. Hear me out, though, right? Like, is there anything better than buying a brand new Absolute, cracking it out of that plastic, stretching the spine, flipping through the art, it's bigger than your damn head. Yeah. It's like the most perfect way to read a comic. I mean, Like a deluxe hardcover. I coined the term. I feel you. First of all, if you're not smelling the pages, are you really even reading comics at this point? Let's just see Omnis. It yeah. smells like Office Depot in there. It smells so good. good. It's yeah, it gets you high. It's the, it's the best way to read a comic. <laughs> you gotta hold it in oh, long yeah. enough. You see comic high, comic buzz. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, but that to me, I'm not trying to buy collected editions to keep them sealed. Some people do, and that's what I always liked about collecting. I hear a lot of people throw out terms like comics are meant to be read, but I'm like, okay, so what about your LCS owner? Is he not meant to sell them? Are people not meant to collect key issues because they like to have key issues displayed on their wall? Comics are meant to be read, but there's also so many fun things within the under the umbrella of comic books that they're meant for as well. So I have a pretty big question that I don't know if you can answer this, but right, you know, it's the Bags and Boards show, yo, Comic Fam. It's podcast number sixty nine. We're here with Gem Mint from nice. Gem Mint Collectibles. <laughs> the Omnis, yes, that I'm sure are coming back. You know, you're going to end up oh, yeah. probably doing something very similar, you know, the, your older videos. But, you know, you have one of the best sets on YouTube in oh, the collectible you. space. All those Omnis. Appreciate it. Can I, can I, Do can you I give, read? Can I, can I give a, a little spoiler? I want 
a custom bookshelf with a ladder on a track. Oh, like Beauty okay. and the Beast. Yes, okay, exactly. Okay, okay. I, I want to. I want to come back to this. Goals. I want to come back to all this. Right, sorry. Um, my question yeah. is: the omnibus that you stand, that you sit in front of, that you do comic book content right. in front of. How many of them have you read? <laughs> like really? Because like it's, yeah, yeah. you have like lifetimes worth of stories. Which is why I was always okay with buying faster than I can read. Because in my mind, I was like, I can always retire reading comic books. Or when I get old, I'll always have them. And I have done a video. This was already probably two years ago on the actual percentage of what I have read versus what I bought. But here's the thing. You know, some people buy omnibus and never read them. And that's, again, totally fine. Collect however you want to collect. Whatever makes you happy. But I have a a literal historical record of every omnibus I've read because I kind of got into YouTube very shortly after getting into Omni. So I've read a good amount of them. I've bought in way more than I've read, though, still. And it's always going to be way, uh, it's got to be 70% unread versus 30 for me. Although. It's still impressive. Because I used to be, I'm a collector as well. I read a lot of comics. You can see on my channel that I read a lot of comics, but I'm a collector. So uh, I always wanted every omnibus that got released. And it wasn't until finally, recently, prior to the move, where I convinced myself that I don't need every one. What am I never going to read? I'm, I'm never going to read the old Conan books. I'm Is just that not going to read I was just going to ask because this guy hits me up <laughs> and he's like, yo, I'm going to be selling a bunch of Omnis. And you had some Conans. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, dude. I had all the Conans at the time. He has all the Conans. Is it Conan like, or Conan? Neither one feels right for me. I'm from South Florida, and Trick Daddy's got a song called Nan, so in my mind it's like Conan. I always said Conan, the barbarian, when I was little, but Conan also does not feel right. Let me know in the comment section below. I think it's Conan. I'm thinking Conan, the barbarian. Conan O'Brien, Conan. Conan O'Brien. Basically the same But he's not Conan O'Brien. True. We don't know. That's a mystery that needs to be solved in the comment section below. Let me know. Conan or Conan, let (laughs) us know. But I got hit up. You're telling me you're selling some Omnis. Yeah. And I saw that Conan or Conan <laughs> collection. Yeah. And you hooked it up. And oh, now yeah. I'm realizing the reason why you hooked up is because you didn't care. Well, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> also, like, I, who, I'm not going to read this. I wasn't going to try to, you know, <laughs> make a ton of money of Tom, who I'm doing <laughs> videos with. You I'll, gave me a hell of a deal. Yeah. Well, because the thing with the Omnibus, you mentioned they were very expensive. But what I found very early on is that you can buy them for like half of the cover price the day or week that they release. Until they're out of stock with, like, the big distributors, right? So I was like, you're never going to lose money buying something at, at 50% off right. retail. Now, it's true. You know, an omnibus can go out of print. It starts appreciating value, not only going to cover price, which is already 50% more than what you paid, but going beyond cover price. You could sell it right then and there and make money, and I've done that before. But uh, especially with Marvel, they will reprint that omnibus, and when they reprint it, that value goes right back down to 50% below retail for the most part. Most people in the omnibus world don't really care about first print, second print. They just want the damn omnibus. They want the content because oh. they're readers or collectors or it makes their shelf look nice. Now, people might argue that, no, a first print will command a premium. Maybe it w- I haven't really seen that in my experience. To be real, I always felt like as soon as that book was announced for a reprint, the value plummets, which is cool for me, but... Where were we even going with this? <laughs> I got a story, man. The Conans. I, the Conans. Why? why uh, I got. Um, yeah. So that's how I gave you a good deal. Yeah, you gave me a good deal. Yeah. And I really Because I bought them for a good deal. And, I, and I'll come back to. And oh, a lot of those are out of print and they will not be reprinted because Marvel is not going to have the rights anymore. So if you wanted to, you could sell that whole set and buy something else more expensive than what you were able to with what you bought online. So that's just kind of one of my Ooh. things. Although but, I don't think you would do that. but No, actually, I. 
I really want a full run of Conan. Yeah. Um, because in my time of like purchasing collections in my, my, my lifetime, I've been doing it since I was a teenager. Mm. I've had more stories about um, specifically like the dudes that I buy collections from that I have bought collections right. from where they'll mention specifically that Conan was their ongoing Conan was what mm. sparked the interest, the collectible it, more than 10 times, like easily more than 10 times. It was like such a uh, impactful series to so many that I'm like, I want to just know it all. Mm-hmm. So well, the art I'm is doing. great. Yeah. And it, Ryan, Thomas, what, man. Do you want to jump back? I know you were yeah, saying something. I was just going to comment on the out of print thing, but we moved past that. I cut you off because it kind of, yeah. yeah. With the Conan stuff. But I had an experience with uh, something going out of print myself, and it's a lesson I learned the hard way. Uh, I bought the Why the Last Man Absolute Volume 1, <laughs> and I waited a while because there's three of them, and they're pretty expensive, even if you're getting them at a discount, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I waited too long, and now I cannot get the, the last two. They're out of print. So I got to go on eBay or like hunt them down somewhere and keep an eye out. Very expensive. So now I'm just stuck with number one. Yeah, see, and the thing is like with DC or with indies, it's less likely for the reprint than Marvel. It was funny is Conan is the exception because they're going to have the right. The rights are going to revert back. But most of the time, Marvel will reprint. They are not leaving money on the table. They're like, okay, this is out of print. It's going for crazy money on eBay. Fourth printing. And it'll still go in value when the fourth print goes out of print. Which makes me think there's a lot of new people getting into that format. The format is blown up, man. I'm, yeah, and I also wish Marvel would do an absolute. Like I've waited this. Like if I could get one wish, like I want, I want Marvel to put out an a, a equivalent of an absolute. Well, well, let me make your dreams come true. They have an equivalent that's bigger than an absolute. The Treasury Edition? No, the um, Vibranium Editions or Adamantium Editions. But they're kind of more compilation books. There's a Deadpool one. I've seen that. You like you want to read the whole story. I want like a very nice, high quality, oversized production of like Silver Surfer Black. Yeah. Give me that. Give me a, a glorious trap more slipcase. Are nice, you know? but they're like they're like better than a trade paperback, but it's not a jumbo as trade. Good as hard, as a hardcover. They have yeah. like a reinforced kind of uh, rim or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Get it together, Marvel. So, with all the omnis that have been put away, all the statues that have been boxed up, I mean, a big part of the enjoyment of watching your channel in the early days was watching you assemble your collection. Yeah. I think that's a lot of uh, YouTubers who do a lot of like unboxings and reviews and stuff. Right. There's this whole aspect of people wanting to see your room tour. Yes. You know, the growth of of the collection. One of the big things I do. Yeah. Right. So you've hit a point, you've said on this very podcast that you outgrew your space. Yes. You ran out of space. You had to, you had to grow the space, which is very exciting. And congratulations. You are now in a new space, and the background is is not as vibrant and and, and just and, say and, it. And, and, it, it sucks. Just, oh, it's there's bare. Like, it's bare. There's I mean, you're, you're in a transitional period. And, I'm in a transitional period. But here's the thing: period. is this is why I'm like I'm stoked about the transitional yeah. period. Yeah, me too. Is that we're gonna get to see it all happen again? Yeah. But all happen again after you know your your channel being created, not necessarily the grind to this point, but now right. you're in full control. You're gonna be able to make it. How you want. So yeah. I want to know what is like the future. You mentioned a little yeah. bit about what you want your collection to be like, right? But um, and I'm sure you're probably still figuring things out. But yeah. can you riff on like what is next for Gem Mint Collectibles? I feel like this is going to be the second wind of Gem Mint Collectibles, and that was kind of the point to get into a larger space so that we can build this new display and I can film it in the process. And uh, where I'm going to go, a, a lot of collectors will understand this. It's very hard to find something to display your statues in. Some people go Ikea furniture, but really statues have kind of outgrown that. You can go garage shelves, but unless you customize it really nice, 
they don't look as nice. Or you can go with something like Maju Case, which can be expensive and there's a wait time. So uh, the biggest thing you can do for your collection as a statue collector is get custom shelvings built. Custom shelving, right? So that's the future of where I'm at. Not only do I want to do custom shelvings that are built into the wall that don't have any dead space above it, it's, it's part of the, the wall. Uh, and also for the books, which I want to just do something next level, man. I want the library with the ladder that I can be like Belle from Beauty of the Beast and have my hair too. flowing and yep. do some stupid. <laughs> but, you know, to just do something bigger than I've done before. I don't really want to get into a new space and just do the same thing I had. But to me, you know, like you said, it's uh, building the collection over again. But now we kind of have some more resources I got a whole room full of statues already boxed up, boxed up that we can, you know, put up and display. And we're going to do it right, man. We're going to do it crazy. It's going to be fun. Comic fam, you got to follow Gem Mint from Gem Mint Collectibles. I've been a part of the the Geminites for years now. Um, you do a lot of uh, a, a lot of different types of content. What kind of stuff um, can they expect when they go over there if they haven't already? Yeah, like you said, you know, we're, we're talking statues and omnibus, and I do still do like halls where I get a bunch of omnis and I show you guys what it looks like. I teach you to stretch the spine. We do the statue stuff, but yeah. But Tom said like I'll do a room tour. And a lot of people wanted to see at the end of the videos when I review the statue, where is it going in the collection? So I hate that I'm not able to do that right now because I don't have anywhere to put the collection. But, uh, yeah, they're going to see the room tours. They're going to see the progress of setting up a new collection. What's Gem Mint going to do in 2022 that's different from Gem Mint in 2017? 2017 Gem Mint wasn't the same Gem Mint as today. So, we, you know, we're going to do some fun stuff. You guys are going to want to be there to see it. And I, I love to see suggestions. I, you know, I want my, I have an arcade area. I want it to turn on all at once. I don't want to have to click everything on the arcade. I want to do it right, man. So, man, help me out. Tell me and give me recommendations on how do I, how do I achieve that? You know what I mean? So it's going to be fun. You know, we're going to get started. I know I moved in, but we're doing a lot of conventions. Haven't really been able to get started. But uh, I think con season is going to slow down pretty soon here. And we're going to have to go to this phase two of Gem Mint's collectibles. Link in the description. Give them a follow. Also, join us over on Whatnot. We have a packed day every single Wednesday. Jem, you start us out at 2 o'clock yeah. for Whatnot Wednesdays. We go clear until the evening with um, all of our friends, all of our homies. And, you know, it's just been a, a really fun time yeah. getting to, like over the years to get to work with you, to actually have you in the studio. Oh. This was uh, an amazing thing, and, yeah. and I really hope to do it again soon. Yeah, no, for sure. It was just meant to be. I mean, you were so close to the convention. And I always, when I do a convention, like to get there a day early and leave a day late. I don't want that hustle and bustle. So when you asked me to do this video, I was like, well, I'm already going to be here anyway. Let's do it, man. So yeah, we got to do that. I need that extra day. You need, <laughs> I need the chill. See, the problem is like, when you're going to the con and you're working with whatnot, I mean, those extra days add up, man. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty exhausting, comic fan. And that but- too. It's, it's a hell of a lot of fun. We appreciate your time today. And before we leave, we want to make sure to mention a big shout out to our second sponsor of the show, Hero Restoration. You can go to hrcomics.com. I want to show you this Avengers number one on the screen. Um, this is a before and this is an after picture. And clearly there are comic books that you can press yourself. And then there are books like this where I don't recommend you press it yourself. I mean, unless you've done years of pressing, this is the kind of book I'm talking about where if you make a mistake, you're going to be super frustrated with yourself for the rest of your life. And I cannot like, it's not an understatement. Like you will, you will, 
You will forget bad deals you've made, like bad purchases. You will forget good purchases. You will remember the day you messed up a comic book that, you know, that lasted as long as it did to get to your hands for you to then press incorrectly, cause an extra crease to a page because you didn't spot the dog ear. You didn't get the comic booger out of there. You know, maybe there's a little piece of paper and then you just like added creases to multiple pages. You can just do yourself a favor. Take my recommendation. Go to hrcomics.com. Follow them on Instagram for some eye candy before and after pictures like that. They also have been documenting the uh, submission process. People sending stuff in. Similar to CGC, there's a lot of ways that members get creative and, and send things in to protect their comics, but also to like maybe go above and beyond. We've seen pool noodles, but we've also seen some crazy things as of late. So go check out their Instagram page. It's a lot of fun. Jeff Mint. Hold on. Can I say something whoa, about whoa. Hero Restoration? Yeah, hit him. You know, I've been using them, I think, before I started the channel. Mike DeCellis from Heroes Restoration. Uh, I had him on the channel a couple of times early on teaching people about pressing and, and all that stuff. So awesome to see Hero Restoration continuing to do what they do and it expanded to what they're doing now, because you can see from the pictures, it's night and day. Yo, they I do for, crazy. totally forgot. You did one of the first interviews with Mike. Yeah. Yeah, like years ago. And, and I knew him from before that. That's how it transitioned to, hey, do you want to come on the channel and, and talk about pressing? Because I know a lot of people were interested. What is pressing? Mm-hmm. I keep hearing you say, get it pressed and cleaned, and then sent to CGC. What does that mean? Right. So that's what we did. We had him on there. He, he broke it down, and I think he had Hulk ones and... ASM ones and a lot of crazy books and that was a long time ago. Shout out Mike to tell us. We appreciate your time. Comic Familia as always. Geek responsibly and stay minty fresh. Oh my gosh that is podcast number 69. Don't forget like find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher and iTunes. You know if you don't want to like be here the whole time to watch us talk about things you know you can listen to us. You know we do it for you, Comic Fan. We appreciate you. Um, we will see you very soon. And if you want to see Jem Mint again on the show, just let him know by bugging him in the comment section of his videos because you got to subscribe to his channel. We appreciate your time today. Peace out, Comic Fan.